You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks again for joining us on a Tuesday. And Tuesdays always mean Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joins us. We can find Rick on Twitter on uh, at Rick underscore Bennell. And Rick, at least we have something relatively positive to talk about this time. It's been a while. You know, Walker, I was thinking about that after the uh, they beat the Celtics. The last time prior to last weekend that they beat a team that's contending for a top-four seeding in either conference was December 9th against the Nuggets. I mean, I think when we look back on why they didn't make the playoffs, the key thing is going to be they never upset enough good teams to balance off the losses to really bad ones. Well, and, and that's what they kind of were doing at the beginning of the season, and then it completely went away. You're right. And uh, even... As you mentioned, Denver being that one team that was a top-four team in either part of the conference, the last really good win, I think you would say, was on the road against the San Antonio Spurs, who they just so happened to be playing tonight. But that Boston game, I mean, that that was it since the San Antonio game, and it was a long time in between before they had any kind of trophy win that you would consider uh, was a really good one on the season. And let me tell you, the Spurs are playing really well right now. I think they're... I think they've won 10 of their last 11. And keep in mind, they have a lot to play for. Um, Who makes the playoffs in the Western Conference may be essentially set already. But seeding is just wild. I think that, I think last time I looked, there was all of two games difference between fifth and ninth. There's a huge difference between being the fifth seed, I'm sorry, fifth and eighth. There's a huge difference between being the fifth seed and being the eighth seed as far as matchups. So currently Oklahoma City is the last seed tied with San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio has the tiebreaker right now at seven and a half back, which means they are about one game back of just getting the fifth seed. And that would potentially put them in a matchup with Portland, who just lost Yusuf Nurkic. So huge, huge implications for the Spurs. If they're able to climb that fifth seed all the way and face Portland, you have to like your chances against Portland when they lose such a a good player. So unfortunate to see Nurkic go down the way he did. And Rick, let's just go ahead with the Spurs ties here. Let's start in on Tony Parker. There's a lot of things to get to, but let's just start with Tony Parker with the Spurs being the segue. This is somebody that we expect to play tonight, but Rick, is he just playing one because it's the Spurs? And also how much do you expect him to play the rest of the season when he's playing teams that aren't in San Antonio? Well, you know, Walker, you and I have talked about how there seem to be this kind of weird place where they have acknowledged that they're playing the kids, but they have not acknowledged that the playoff chase is over. Um, you know, it seems like, you know, one foot's in, ice, in an ice bath and the other one's foot's in a sauna. But the one thing, one of the things that we can clearly say from the, 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 the performances of the last week or so, Devontae Graham is playing just great. His assist to turnover right now of recent memory is crazy good. Um, there is a lot to be said for getting, you know, what what NASCAR drivers call seat time for Devontae Graham right now. And there's really nothing to be gained from a 36-year-old, you know, future Hall of Famer 
running around in games that may or may not have any significance whatsoever. I'm sure Tony has no problem whatsoever in saying, let the rookie do his thing. I got no need to go out there. Rick, what is Devontae Graham's potential? He has been so good lately. What do you see him being? Well, he's already, you know, he and Bacon already define, you know, better use of the second round than, you know, any time in recent memory for the Hornets. He's not a typical rookie in any way. He's very mature. He's a very quick learner. Um, There's a real contrast there, for instance, with Malik Monk, who, you know, when you draft somebody as young as Malik was, you know, you have to accept the the realities of growing pains. Um, Devontae's, you know, upbringing is very, very different. He was a four-year player at Kansas. He's very, very mature. He's very, very intellectual about basketball. Um, at worst-case scenario, you cannot have enough point guards. In a worst-case scenario, he offers tremendous future depth. And, you know, there's some upside potential there. I, I, I would not really see him as a long-term starter, but crazier things have happened. And, Rick, when we were talking about just some of these other guys that you might play down the stretch and you might not, we talked about Tony Parker. Let's go down the list here. MKG, he even after being cleared of his third concussion, would, was that a guy that you would consider playing down the stretch as the season ends? I'd be very careful about that, you know, considering there isn't a whole lot, you know, tangible at stake here. Um, you know, I've talked a lot to Dale Hernart Jr. about this. Obviously, Multiple concussions, you know, effectively drove him out of NASCAR. Um, there is a collective nature to these things. Um, you, you know, concussions are not unique events. Each one may be different, but they have a collective effect on the body. Um, I would, you know, I would think they would not want to play them a whole lot because if they don't, that gives them a summer to really heal up. Um, I just don't see a lot of good met the same way that, you know, I have misgivings about whether there's any point in trotting out, you know, Cody Zeller the rest of the season. Right, and, and Cody Zeller right. somebody that, you, you mentioned, Rick, that he does seem like he wants to play, but it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, and Here's a here's a scenario that very well could pop its head up where the Hornets are playing a lot of the young guys, Graham, Bacon, even Monk, after being thrown out of the rotation. They are getting significant time. Let's say that they do find themselves, you know, in a situation where they're only what? One game out of the playoff race. I know they're two games out right now, but still it's gonna be tough to try to keep pace. And do you see a scenario where Borrego does go back to the veterans and decides to implement them back into the rotation? Frankly, Walker, the kids would have to play so well over the next week and a half for the last two or three games to be relevant that I don't think he'd mess with what was working. Um, to me, the only thing that, they, that they've got going for them as far as whatever minuscule chance they have of making the playoffs is that if you assume that one of the things that would have to happen for them to be in contention to make it is beating Orlando in the last game of the season. If that happened, that they would already they would have a tiebreaker over both the Heat and the Magic. But you know something? There are so many things that would have to happen between now and then. 
And Rick, it's crazy that even we're in this situation because Jeremy Lamb was able to hit a 50-footer to get to get that win the second night of a back-to-back after already beating Boston. They're able to beat the Toronto Raptors. Where does that moment – this is a franchise that doesn't have a whole lot of moments, Rick. You know, We've got our Zoe shot against the Boston Celtics. There's maybe a couple here and there. Now, this is a regular season game to keep the Hornets back in the playoff race, and I think people recognize it for that. But just to you, all the moments that you've covered, where does that Jeremy Lamb shot rank for just incredible things that you've seen covering the Hornets franchise? Oh, it's way, way up there. Um, you know, the only other one in recent memory that comes to mind, and I, you know, was when Steven Jackson hit that shot um, in Atlanta and then being Captain Jack jumped <laughs> up on the scorer's table, beat his chest and screamed out, that's what I do. It was a really fun moment. Yeah, Steven Jackson, uh, of course, is going to give you that moment. Watching Jeremy Lamb throw that 50-footer up against Toronto, it's amazing that they're even in this situation right now, Rick. And uh, when you look at Jeremy Lamb and his free agent, his decision that the Hornets are going to have to make it this season, now, are the Hornets in almost a damned-if-you-do, damned-if-you-don't situation when you consider whether to give him another contract? You know, it's so complicated in the sense that um, – Remember, you know, I don't mean to make this sound even more complex than it is, but unlike the NFL, free agency comes after the draft. So they're going to have to make a draft decision not knowing whether Kemba and or Jeremy is going to be back. Um, I think that, you know, it's going to be very interesting to me whether if Kemba leaves, how, how much are they willing to do to keep – Jeremy, because um, to, to some degree, to, you know, if you do not bring back Jeremy, whether or not Kemba's is back, you are making a massive bet that Malik Monk is ready for 30 minutes a night of crunch time. Do we have enough data right now to know if that's a good decision? Yeah, I, not so much. You're right about that. And so when, Rick, you mentioned the NBA draft, I know a lot of people have been paying attention, certainly here in the Carolinas, to Kobe White and just how much he's developed over the course of the regular season in college basketball. He looked so good in the first half against Washington, hitting some step-back threes. He was incredible. Is that somebody that you would consider drafting with the first-round selection and just even the point guard position in general with Kimba's impending leave, possibly? Well, first of all, I think that Kobe White, if he's in this draft, is going to be gone before Lord pick. Okay. Um, I think he is going to shoot up the draft boards. Um, he reminds me of Jay Gilgis Alexander, yours and my favorite young player, um, in the sense that, you know, SGA, you know, he wasn't even supposed to be a starter with Kentucky, and he was so good by the end of the season that the uh, Clippers basically hit him out for a month before the draft to discourage other teams from taking him. Um, Sometimes I think, you know, this is a very common concept in the NFL to talk about the importance of different positions relative to each other. Point guard is so important. I don't think you can have enough of them. And if you have a chance to get a special one, it counts for two. Um, I wish that they had kept SGA and that no negative comment on Miles Bridges, who's a really good NBA good. good NBA rookie and going to be a good NBA player, but man, you know, especially with the you know uncertainty over Kemba, I got no problem whatsoever with them devoting that lottery pick to a point guard, and Kobe White is going to be a terrific one. 
Rick, last question. I was watching the jump yesterday, and Brian Windhorst discussed that the Kimball Walker contract situation was the most complex, I think he even said, and maybe not even recent history, just that he's ever seen how complex this situation has been. And certainly us on Sports Talk Radio have enjoyed talking about it uh, for quite a long time now, Rick. I mean, just when you look at Kimball Walker's situation compared to the other big decisions the Hornets have had to make in their history, is it number one? Uh, no, because I don't think anything can compare to after they gave Larry Johnson that massive, massive contract, and then they realized that Zoe was going to be a better player than Larry. That put them in a real box. And, uh, you know, to be honest, Walker, you know, a lot of the morning ended up being a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So that that would be still well above this one. Um Having said that, what we're talking about right now is very difficult. Um, it's about it's as much about perception as it is about reality. And, you know, what I think about all the time is corporations make risk assessment decisions all the time. The difference is, you know, their, their customers do not have emotional attachments to, you know, toothpaste or <laughs> automobiles. The fan base loves Kemba. The fan base should love Kemba. But they've got to make a really hard business-related, risk-related decision about whether they could justify paying him as much as $221 million. I think when Brian uses the word complex, that's a word that I would use as well. I don't know that there's any good answer to that question. No, it's extremely tough to decide, and we'll see exactly what Mitch Kupchak decides to do with really the first uh, huge decision as far as player personnel coming up this offseason. It's Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can check him out again on Twitter, at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, we always appreciate the time. Thanks again for joining us. Sure thing. All right, thanks once again to Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. We appreciate you guys joining us here on Locked on Hornets podcast. We appreciate the Essex Home Studios housing 730 The Game ESPN Charlotte. Also want to give a quick shout-out to the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and talk a little bit about what Rick Bennell had to say. Remember, it's the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing? Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for New Orleans. I, look, I love me some Eldon Campbell, but is that, is they, that the they were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night. They didn't have to take with them to New Orleans. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. It's Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. Of course, you can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson, L-O-H. And you can find Nada on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. No Doug today. Had some things to take care of at home, so hopefully he can join us tomorrow. And again, it's imperative that Doug joins us tomorrow. He's got some responsibilities to work on on the show. We said yesterday that we were going to lower Chris Kroger's Jeremy Lamb call to an octave, set it 
over a bed of heavy death metal music and play that bad boy on tomorrow's show. And we're not able to do that for you today. Doug's got some things he's got to take care of that probably are a little bit higher on the priority list. But damn it, we need to give you that. Chris Kroger's call, I want to hear over some death metal. And so we're going to play that for you tomorrow. Hopefully we can get all of that situated. But Doug should be joining us on a Wednesday. And then, of course, we'll all be ready for Fire Friday when Nada gets to come back on the show and talk about that Jeremy Lamb shot. A lot of good things that we've gotten to discuss. We do have a game tonight for the Charlotte Hornets against the San Antonio Spurs. And this is a game that we can go back to before that Boston Celtics victory this weekend. San Antonio was the last real, again, trophy win, as I keep calling them, because there hasn't been too many. You heard Rick discuss that the last game they had where they beat a team that was in the top four in either conference. It was the Denver Nuggets, and that was early December. San Antonio was the last victory that you can go to and say, yeah, that's a good one. That's one that I'm willing to show off. And San Antonio was one that could contend for maybe the fifth spot in the Western Conference playoff standings, as we just discussed with Rick Bennell. But this would be another good one. How crazy would that be? After the Charlotte Hornets have been inconsistent all year long, first they couldn't break away from 500. Then they started to lose a little bit more games than they were winning, losing to some bottom dwellers. The one game that they would win every once in a while against a good team, that went out the window. And then this weekend, they beat Boston, Toronto, second night of a back-to-back on the road, and now they have a chance to beat the San Antonio Spurs at home. And I remember, I think it was last week, I saw it was the anniversary of Jeremy Lin going off in the fourth quarter and brought the Hornets back with a incredible win during that 2016 playoff run that was a lot of fun to see Jeremy Lin of course and Courtney Lee both on that basketball team everybody remembers the glory days that were with the second coming of the Charlotte Hornets but that was a lot of fun to see them hopefully we can create a little bit more magic here tonight now MKG was cleared from concussion protocol so you have to imagine that at least there's a possibility MKG could play tonight Now, it's not somebody that had been so much in the rotation even when he was playing. And now the Hornets, they have not made winning their number one priority, at least by playing the veterans. Now, I don't know how much of a shot they would have had to play the veterans anyway against Toronto because of all of the guys that are out. It's the same exact scenario that you went into that Houston Rockets game thinking they don't have any shot in hell, and they didn't. And you would have thought the same thing against Toronto, and yet these young guys are able to get a victory for you. And so it didn't seem like with their ability to move on to the younger players that winning was their number one priority because they are playing some of the veterans, trying to switch up the rotations. But here they are winning some basketball games with the younger players now. And then you look at who the guys are that are out for this game. Cody Zeller is listed as out. MKG is listed as out at least now. Now, this could be before because that report is pretty fresh as I record this podcast that MKG has been cleared from concussion protocol. It does still say that he is out. And also, Nick Batum is still sick. And so Nick Batum has a virus right now that is keeping him out of these basketball games. And we can all make the jokes about Nick Batum not playing, but now it's almost you're worried about Nick Batum just a little bit for his well-being. He's lost eight pounds since he's been sick, and he's not going to be coming back. Now, I don't know if you bring him back when he does get healthy in the first place. You still got to roll with these young guys, but all the injuries that you have right now, Cody Zeller, MKG, Nick Batum, all of them look to be out, and I do think Nick Batum is going to be out now that I think about what I read on Twitter earlier. Both of those MKG and Nick Batum reports 
stated that they're not going to be playing in this game today against the San Antonio Spurs. Tony Parker might be the only veteran, and again, it's only because his old coach Greg Popovich is going to be on the other side. And so you're still going to roll with the younger guys, and that's fine by me. That should be fine by everybody. Charlotte Hornets rolling with Devontae Graham, Dwayne Bacon, all of the younger guys that played well. How about Devontae Graham? Going back a little bit with what Rick Bennell has said, saying that this could be somebody that is a very effective player on the bench, and maybe one day he starts. Now, it is an older basketball player that you draft, not necessarily seeing these guys come in at that type of age, somebody that stays at a program all four years. But it goes to show you his maturity. And while Devontae Graham may have only hit three field goals, he didn't shoot well from beyond the arc. He got to the foul line four times. He dished out nine assists in this game against Toronto. Only one turnover. 22 minutes of action, nine assists. Turnover only came out to be one. Now, we all remember when we were talking about the Denver Nuggets all that all those months ago. Assist-to-turnover ratio, it's the sexiest thing that you can put out there, baby. And Devontae Graham is looking sexy right now. Dwayne Bacon is somebody that was able to get to the foul line. How about his ability to get to the foul line just a few games ago? Only got there twice against Toronto. But when he doesn't get to the foul line, 5 of 8 from three-point range against Toronto. Of course, all to set up the late-game heroic by Jeremy Lamb that was the 50-foot shot. Just insane. Very cool to see. Now, the Charlotte Hornets have been in the national spotlight here recently. Because of what they did this weekend, the 30-5 to run that they had against the Boston Celtics, that was the second most ridiculous thing this weekend. Of course, with Jeremy Lamb's taking the cake, Jeremy Lamb's shot taking the cake, but the national spotlight has been on Charlotte in a way that hasn't happened since we got Kimba Walker's 60-point performance. You know, Kimba has brought in a little bit of the national attention our way this season, but it's been a while, and now it's back on us with the way the Hornets performed this weekend. So you get a big story on the jump. Rachel Nichols dedicates her monologue to what the Hornets did this weekend and how it affects Kimba Walker and the big picture. Brian Winhorst called Kimba Walker's contract situation the most complex in recent history. I don't know how you can disagree with that. And of course, working in sports radio in the morning, it feels like it's been a fantastic team to talk about for that particular topic because you fall on one side or the other of the extreme spectrum. Keep Kimba Walker. Continue to battle for playoff spots. Don't get rid of the one good draft pick that you hit on. Some people want to just move off of Kimba Walker and start a rebuild again. You know, if you keep Kimba, do you have to give him the super max? You know, the way Brian was talking about on the jump was that are there going to be a ton of teams pounding at the door to make sure they give Kimba Walker the max, the, the max as much as they possibly can get? And it makes some sense because Brian also said, just kind of quoting what we saw yesterday, Brian Winhorst said, if you give Kimba Walker the max, then is that a bad contract? We've seen some veteran point guards already get signed to as much money as they possibly could, and I think those teams would back out as soon as they possibly could after the fact. Are the Hornets or another team going to be finding themselves in that situation just three years down the line? Kimba Walker being 29 years old. Somebody that is a little bit undersized. His shooting has taken a dip this season. Now, you don't know if his volume is going to continue to stay the same with whatever team he goes to. He's certainly not going to have the responsibility that he does with the Charlotte Hornets team. 
And so maybe less volume, maybe that does enhance his percentage. I don't know. But it does make it does make you question what this Charlotte Hornets team is going to do because you can see it on both sides of the spectrum. You can see each of the arguments made by the other side. But it's going to be really tough, and you've seen just how much attention is on the Charlotte Hornets team for all of the storylines that are surrounding it. Hornets trying to get to the playoffs. Of course, Rachel Nichols brought up the importance of making the playoffs and how much it is to Kimball Walker. And if that would make him decide to stay here in Charlotte or not, you know, that would make some sense. And so we've talked about this quite a bit this year. It's been the number one question because think about how big this is for the franchise. If you keep Kimba Walker, then you have to wait to get off of a lot of money, hope that you get a free agent, hope that you hit on some of these draft picks, but all in all, the roster's not going to change all that much. And if you get rid of Kimball Walker, then you get rid of the best player in Charlotte Hornets history, the one absolute bar none hit from the Rich Cho era. It's really tough to decide, and Mitch Kupchak, this is the biggest decision that he's had. Of course, he had to hire James Borrego, and that's a big decision when you hire a coach for a franchise, but none bigger than this. And you heard Rick discuss that this is probably second to that Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson comparison on which guy you were going to try to keep and how tough it was once you gave Larry Johnson all that much money. It's going to be a really tough decision on what they decide to do, and it seems like the national spotlight is here for it. At least they're discussing it in a way that we haven't seen the national spotlight on Charlotte before, maybe a little bit for that 60-point performance from Kimba Walker and us talking about his chances at maybe winning an MVP or an All-NBA selection, getting that. Now that's reared its head once again, but a lot of people are paying attention because it does have such an impact on the landscape of the NBA and exactly what's going to happen down the stretch in the Eastern Conference playoff standings. We appreciate you joining us here once again. We'll come back with one more segment. We had Rod Boone of The Athletic on the wake-up call earlier this morning. We've got both of the guys that cover the Charlotte Hornets daily. It'll be fun to have both of them on the show at the same time. Rod Boone, we got some quotes from him. On the other side of the break, it's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Did he go with Myers Leonard as his first comparison as a big man hitting from the three-point line? Oh, Funny. did I say Leonard? I meant uh, Miles Turner. Okay, <laughs> you did. I think okay. you said Miles Leonard. That was Leonard. on me. Good, sorry about that. That's a bad mistake. I know when I think shooting big men, Myers Leonard is the first guy that comes to mind. Absolutely. I was thinking Steve Clifford and I might be Hot the shot. same wavelength. Hot shot, there. Myers Leonard. <laughs> that's, that's his nickname. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Walker Mail here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast talking about the playoff chances for the Charlotte Hornets. Now, I have still made it very clear. It's been a lot of fun watching the Hornets win those big games against the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors this weekend. It was a lot of fun to see it. I kind of take it for what it's worth, though. And what I take and I think what I think it's worth is getting the young guys playing some meaningful basketball, even if it is just the fresh legs. I think it's important for them to see some victories because of them. Not even just some of the contributions that they give here and there, but actually it's because of the young guys. 
you know, Kimball Walker certainly a big part of it. I'm not leaving him out of this, but you got a lot of production from guys like Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham and some of the names that we've repeated here the last couple of days. I think that is valuable, and that's what I take it as. I do not think the Charlotte Hornets are going to make the playoffs. The Miami Heat and the Orlando Magic, they play tonight. And so that's not exactly great that that's going to be taking place for the Hornets. You wish that game had already been played before you were in this situation. And you're hoping for the Orlando Magic to win this one just so the Heat aren't two games above. If the Heat win, then they're three games above the Hornets. If they lose, they're just two games. They'll still stay two games ahead of the Hornets, depending on what they do tonight against the Spurs, of course. Then Orlando would jump two games above the Hornets. And I think that's exactly what you're pulling for. But you still have a West Coast trip. The Hornets still have to play Golden State. They still have to play Utah. I think that's going to be a back-to-back, if I'm not mistaken, which makes it all that much more tough, playing on the road against Utah. So are you going to have to steal one of those games in order to make the playoffs? Rod Boone of The Athletic, again, he joined the wake-up call earlier this morning, and here's what he had to say on the playoff chances. Here's the thing. you know, There's still whole tiebreakers against the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, so they're still right in the playoff race, two games behind the Wolfcom behind Miami. But they have a tough schedule left. Tonight, they play the Spurs at home, uh, one of just three home games left. And they get ready for a four-game road trip going to play the Lakers, uh, the Golden State Warriors, the Utah Jazz, the Pelicans in New Orleans. So the Hornets have a decent chance with the playoffs, yes, after their two incredible wins this past weekend, but they have a, a small margin of error from here on out. Eight and one, is that what you guys are thinking? Because I, I think that's probably about right. Maybe two losses, and Rod Boone did say that. I mean, maybe that's two losses that, that would give them a still a decent shot. That's probably correct. But other than that, I'm it, it's gonna be so tough for them to do. And and I mentioned the big games against Golden State, as did Rod and Utah, but the other games like like tonight, I mean San Antonio is gonna be tough. You've got Toronto at home, that's gonna be tough. You know, the other games, I guess, are winnable. But again, just when you start to count on the Charlotte Hornets, that's when they decide to let you down. And we all know this very well. The one guy that's not letting us down, though, and it's been a lot of fun to watch him just this past week, is Miles Bridges and how his all-around game has developed very well. He's confident. He's playing well on defense. You know, he's still doing out his sky-high dunks. He's rebounding the ball. But probably the most important thing for me is that he's hit this three-point shot. If he's his three-point shot, he'll be almost unguardable because, as you can see, he has spin moves. He can get down the post. You know, Miles has an all-around game. So I like what I'm seeing with him right now. And as you can tell from Hornets fans and the coaches, Miles is a big part of his team's future. Absolutely. That's the one guy that I think if you look three years out, that Miles is the guy that you feel certain is going to be a part of this basketball team. Probably feel pretty good about Devontae Graham, but you could certainly see Devontae being used as more of a pawn and maybe a trade scheme that they would have. But also, just looking at this playoff race, Steve Clifford had some things to say about the last eight games of the season for Orlando. We're going to play eight games, and they're all going to be important. So that's a, the, the game that we play tonight will travel. You know, defend, good purpose on <laughs> offense, move the ball inside out, and that's how we have to play. Oh, my God, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> Steve Clifford, I, look, James Borrego is fine. Like, I'm, 
I'm willing to see how this goes with James Borrego. I don't think you can truly say he's not it after just one season. I would have liked to have seen some different things, but I love me some Steve Clifford, man. He wasn't without his faults, but it's good to hear his voice once again. Hopefully, Steve Clifford, I just like that they're actually in the playoff race, considering that they don't have all that much of a talented roster. I know Aaron Gordon's okay. Uh, Nikola Vucevic has been fantastic this season, and this guy... Even Sabermetrics, they've loved him as well. So, of course, he's got a roster that is worthy of winning basketball games. But Steve Clifford and James Borrego, having both of those guys coach against each other in the last game of the regular season, it should be a lot of fun to watch and maybe a little bit stressful, but perhaps the Hornets, just perhaps, they might still have a relevant playoff chance. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.